Welcome to Trust the Journey. I'm Melanie Curtis. Our mission is to live, laugh, love, and learn together with you. We're here to create conscious connections, to grow and contribute through our practice of openness, honesty, vulnerability, humility, and trust, trusting the entire journey. Across the internet family, we are trustthejourney.today. That's our website, our Instagram, all the channels. Our Patreon community, the Trust the Journey family, is absolutely how we keep the show going and growing. The family is a private Facebook group where we expand the conversations directly with anyone seeking community, seeking connection, seeking support for their own healing journeys too. So we hold that space very deeply, very safely, full non-judgment and encouragement for people looking to be vulnerable and support each other in our challenges and our wins. So we welcome you there. You're, you're always welcome to join that. We host live integration coaching circles also once a month. So for those that join the Patreon at the $25 level, you get all of those included as well. So yeah, thank you to everyone who already is in the family, who supports us. Truly, it really means the world to us and it very practically makes a difference as well. So to join, go to trustthejourney.today and click the orange Patreon button. If you would like a cost-free way of supporting the podcast, subscribe on YouTube, follow us on Spotify, Instagram, or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you like the show, you know, like all of that stuff helps. Share the, an episode with someone directly that you think it could help. All that stuff makes a difference. To connect with Jay or me individually, you can go to our websites, jasonmaledsky.com or melaniecurtis.com. Right on. Okay, today, fam, I am thrilled to welcome Jennifer Cassetta. Jennifer is a TEDx and keynote speaker, high-performance coach, and author of The Art of Badassery, Unleash Your Mojo with the Wisdom of the Dojo. Equipped with her third-degree black belt in Hapkido, master's degree in nutrition, and various well-being certifications, she spent the last two decades coaching people to feel strong, safe, and powerful from the streets to the boardroom. With clients that include Apple, American Airlines, Nike, and Visa, Jennifer has rocked hundreds of stages across the country with her knockout combination of engaging content and contagious enthusiasm. I feel that. Her yeah. skills... Her skills have been featured on the Today Show, Good Morning America, Rachel Ray, The Doctors, as well as countless publications. Watch her TEDx talk, Barefoot, of course, as she walks us through her framework for living a life of utter badassery. And now today, we're lucky enough to get her wisdom here. Jen, welcome. Thank you, Melanie. Hi, everyone. Yes, so happy <laughs> to have you here. You know, it's funny, the way I start these interviews... I like to really ground us in the present and ask people like, how are you doing? Like, how are you doing today, right now? Like, what's what's alive for you? Well, just listening to your voice, first of all, you have a very uh, grounding voice. I feel all of a sudden much more calm, much more present. Mm. And what kept coming up for me in your introduction was trust, mm. the word trust and how like even internally, I felt um, this, oh my God, it's been so hard for me to really trust the universe, to trust the journey, the process, yeah. all of it. And I feel like I'm finally getting to a place where I am more able to do that. So that's what came up for me. Oh, I love that. 
you know, it's always, I think it's all a process, right? For sure. And I, you know, I'm curious also, I definitely want to get into, and this is just sort of a teaser for people listening, definitely I'm going to want to hear your 9-11 story. But before we get to that, what is your origin story? Where are you from? What? Mm. Where did you come from? What kind of kid were you? That type. I'm curious about that. That's funny because my origins, my origin story in my mind is that starts at the 9-11. Yeah. Story, but by that time, I was already 22 years old. Um, I've never really talked about my childhood. <laughs> it's just curious because you know you're such yeah. a badass like a legitimate yeah. badass and you've done so many things that I, I i love hearing where people like what kind of yeah, kid you, people were because it grounds us and oh this yeah, girl yeah. who did all this amazing shit was also a kid and yeah. also was just like i don't know doing whatever you did in school or i don't know just give us a sense of that yeah i grew up in a town uh called may new york which is like an hour and 10 minutes north of the city mm-hmm. and my whole dream in life as a kid was to move to the city that was it <laughs> i didn't care what i wanted to do i didn't um well actually i wanted to be either a waitress or a veterinarian <laughs> um, when i grew up and uh i was just a ni- i was like nice i was uh i think i hope <laughs> <laughs> now that I think about it, I'm like, you're like, oh, dang, was I? Yeah. Uh-oh, self-reflection, uh-oh. Right? Um, you know, gymnastics, that was my thing. In high school, I did the whole cheerleader thing, which I find, like, so bizarre nowadays looking back. Like, let's go cheer for a bunch of boys playing football. Like, it make, <laughs> and in tight sweaters and sm- and short skirts. Like, it makes zero sense to the person that I am today, but yeah. that's that's what I was doing. Um, my, I would say I attribute my badassery to my parents. Uh, my dad is first generation Italian <laughs> and, you know, grew up in the Bronx, mom from Queens. And my mom was always a very independent spirited woman. And my dad was an NYPD detective. So he was just tough. Yet in his early 50s is when he started his martial arts journey so that shifted things and also he was one of those people in the 70s and 80s listening to self-help tapes and books so i grew up listening to yeah i grew up listening to tony robbins in the car amazing Um, he was a yeah he was a part of my psyche if i wasn't i wasn't maybe consciously taking it in but he's in the background um there's bookshelves filled of self-help books that my dad devoured and it was again wasn't until i was in early uh, you know early adulthood where i i took that leap and him and i would bond so much over that kind of work very cool and very interesting that he had experience in martial arts because that's always something i'm like i was always wondering that about you is it like how did you get into martial arts you know like the dojo is such a big part of your story and you know Mm -hmm. That was curious. Is is that why you started to do martial arts yourself? I mean, I'm sure it is. It, again, I was probably 22 years old when I first decided that I was going to try a class. So I was okay. living in New York. And I just remember being on the subway one day thinking, I should really, I really want to try some martial arts. And it all happened so magically Ew. that my dad and anyone who's familiar with New York can understand this was training up in uh, 
White Plains. So yep. it's like at least a half hour away with this grandmaster in Taekwondo. And when I had said, you know, I want to try this, I spoke to Grandmaster Kim and he gave me one name of a school to check out. He said, wow. you go see Master Herbert. And the day before, he didn't know where I lived or worked in, in Manhattan. The day before I had wandered into this same exact studio because it was next door to my office. Oh my God. <laughs> Literally next door, 596 Broadway, 598 Broadway. Like there's no words. So I was just like, here, take my money, sign me up. Yeah, that was it. totally. Oh my gosh. It's so, I love stories like that where you're like, the universe is clearly going, here you go. This is yeah. something I'm serving up for you. Will you totally. will you take what's on this platter or or not? Not that you have to, yeah. but it's nice. Right. It's it's I feel like it's a story. It's a really great small little anecdote around that recognition of going, yeah. hmm, something maybe is afoot here that I can't fully understand, but I'm going to choose to trust it and right. see where it takes me. Beautiful. Completely. And again, in my twenty two year old mind, none of that really I didn't think more than just okay you know <laughs> and people ask me why did you choose Hapkido I'm like I didn't it chose me like I yeah just, that's the story so I knew nothing about it and I jumped right in and my first class I was hooked wow it just cool. felt so good that's totally me and skydiving I was afraid it was in my family the whole thing and literally oh, wow. when I jumped it was one I was one and done like changed it immediately hooked and then the rest of my story is sort of proverbially history but that passion was born pretty immediately upon the first yeah. recognition of that activity of that freedom but wow yeah i know it's fascinating um it really is. yeah i didn't know it was in your family either well my dad's a pilot and he we had a grass strip behind my house and he and his best friend basically started a drop zone at my house and so he, yeah, exactly. His He wasn't a skydiver. He was an aviation person. I grew up with airplanes and flying and stuff like that. But my mm. dad's best friend was a skydiver. And they're like, oh, let's just open route, skydiving center at, at our house. <laughs> like, they're totally like that old school, you know, dudes type of a vibe. <laughs> but it was certainly a part of what shaped me as well. Amazing. Yeah. So so I want to I do want to go to your 9-11 story because I feel like a um, lot of people. I mean, not everyone that's alive currently has a 9-11 story, obviously, but a large but, chunk of who's alive now in the world has mm -hmm. one. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess tell us that story. Take us there. I will. And I just wanted to point out also that three books that I know of this year came out with uh were with authors, women authors that shared their 9-11 story. Wow. And I thought that was so interesting. One was me, obviously. But, um, <laughs> right. One happened to be me. <laughs> but also Janie Fiore Higgins. Yep. Um, her book, Bully Market, she had an, uh, a story there. And Bozema St. John, uh, her book is called The Urgent Life. Amazing. And I was so surprised. Not surprised, but I thought maybe this is like, the time where all of us who experienced it are now so finally able to, starting to share yeah. our story. Um, yeah. Because I wasn't able to for a long time. Understandable. Uh, yeah. And mostly because of survivor's guilt. 
Mm-hmm. Why should I take up space or story time when so many people suffered so much worse? Yeah. So I just want to acknowledge that and anyone listening out there who has suffered much worse that, yeah, uh, yeah it's a, it's a awful time in our history and life. And, you know, I just, yeah. I'm here, I'm here now to, to share mine and I hope that opens up some space for other people to share their story if they've been locking it away. Yeah, and I want to acknowledge quickly before you go into it is that's an understandable feeling. Like me as a life coach, that's, you know, I'm holding that safe space for people to explore things and look at places where they feel guilt of of varying types, look at where they feel shame or look at where they feel fear, all those things. Why I bring that up is, it's so common for that to happen where we'll judge what we are experiencing and and diminish it and thus hold ourselves back from healing it, right? So I, I love mm-hmm. that you're now saying, I'm going to model sharing this and acknowledge that my experience may be vastly different than right. others, but it doesn't mean that my experience is invalid. Like my experience right. for what it is, is valid and it can be in service when when told from a place of service, which is clearly yeah. how you show up in the world and which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I, I love that, Jen, and I appreciate you Thanks. sharing. So go on. Thank you. So I was uh, about a year into my martial arts training and I was working as ver- just had started in a few months prior to September for a couple who owned this beautiful loft space that were turning it into an event space. And, you know, at the time I was really searching in my career. I didn't know what I wanted to do, like when I grew up, even though like I had graduated already. <laughs> um, but I loved the hospitality industry. I really did. So this kind of, again, came to my, came on my radar. I was asked by the couple to work for them. Yes. And the night before on September 10th, they held their first event. Mm-hmm. Um, September 11th, I was also my boss's birthday. Her name was Sam. And I went to the grocery store on 96th Street, bought some stuff. I was going to make her lunch, took the subway downtown. And, you know, there was a lot of starts and stops down as I, as I got towards Wall Street, just slowing down, you know, but, but that happens from time to time. So again, get upstairs, um, look up. And the towers had already been hit there. I just saw black smoke billowing out, you know, not understanding what in the world had just happened. Looking around, I just remember people frantic, pointing, uh, trying to use their cell phones, which were not working. Yep. So I realized I couldn't use my cell phone. So I went to my place of work, which was on Rector and the West Side Highway. So three blocks exactly south of the towers. And the doorman, I just remember, was like, again, frantic but saying I can't go upstairs I can't go up there and also my boss my bosses they weren't even home at the time thank goodness and uh I was like well what am I gonna do you know like where am I gonna go he's like well the subways are just shut down I'm like okay so I can't go home uh he's like you can use the phone in the lobby so I pick up the phone I call my mom because I figured she'd be worried and within seconds of talking to her she said first of all that I spoke to her in a child-like time. I called her like mommy. I said, mommy, there's a hole in the the World Trade Center, which 
is weird, right? So obviously trauma response had already yep. set in. Yep. And within seconds, the first tower falls. So mm. this is where it becomes blurry. I don't remember the noise, but I'm sure it's like embedded in my body right. somewhere. Right. I just remember swarms of people coming into the lobby running now for safety. Uh, I have a vision in my head because the owner of that loft years later, only a few years ago, posted the picture, a picture of someone must have been blocks away, posted a picture of the plume of smoke overtaking the entire building at that moment. Wow. And I just think if I was a minute or two, uh, you know, just a few minutes earlier, this would have been a different story yep. or no story at all. Um, and anyway, I'm in this, I get pushed into a utility closet with full, full of strangers. And I just remember being frozen. This woman came over to me. She saw me crying and a police officer told mm -hmm. me to shut up basically and stop crying. At least to, I know I don't want to make him wrong about it, but I'm sure I was like making other people nervous. So this woman came over to me, put her hands on my shoulders and said, uh, what's your name? Which forced me to take a breath. I said, Jennifer. She said, Jennifer, I'm Nancy. And the two of us were going to get out of here today. I said, okay. So we were evacuated from that building. The cop wanted us out. I guess those were the orders and everyone scattered. Wow. Nancy and I just headed south in the soot and ash and, you know, look, and we were just going from building to building, looking for somewhere we can go in. And at one Broadway, I think it is, we were Broadway. I don't remember, but it was a big lobby. Uh -huh. Loads of people, masks, water, TVs. We sat there. Second tower fell. So we were evacuated from there again. So again, wow. those people just scatter into the street. And that's when I had the idea to take Nancy to the dojo, to the martial arts school that I had been training at. And it was in Soho. So it was just a walk. So we went east and up and uh, walked in there. You know, looking like zombies, I'm sure. There yep. were two other women that I trained with at the time. They were above, they were like more instructor like for me, Holly and Lena. And they, you know, came in, they took care of us, they gave us water, and I took a shower. And um, Nancy eventually headed home to her family. I don't even remember how she was getting there. Yeah. But um, that, to me, again, this is like the origin story of the next phase of my life. My career changed everything from that moment because I had this feeling of safety. Yeah. And that's all I wanted to do in the weeks and months that followed. So obviously, um, later on that day, I got up to my sister's house on 55th Street, and I have zero recollection of how I got there. Wow. I must have walked. There was no other way. And imagine walking like 55 blocks and not having a memory of it. Zero. Yeah. Can't, like, I try. And it's gone. Wow. So that's weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, trauma is this a big thing, a big part of what we talk about on Trust the Journey is this, this yeah. notion of healing is, mm -hmm. is healing. And so amazing that even amidst your trauma, there was, it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's this equally powerful, I am now in this dojo this this place where i feel safe this community okay. where i feel safe in the presence of people where i feel safe and the juxtaposition of that to the trauma on the day sound seems like this very powerful interesting yin yang of what occurred yeah. that day wow yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I never get into all this detail, but I went to my friend's house who was living in Soho at the time. I remember smoking a cigarette because I was like, oh, wow. then, you know, like, I don't know. I was, I mean, I, I was a smoker in like college. Yeah. 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 Again, so not me today, yeah. but I remember smoking a big cigarette and just like, uh, like sitting on the couch in shock. And then I guess somehow I made it to my sister's house. I have no idea how. Right, right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, it's yeah. fascinating. I was also in New York on 9-11 and uh, I lived 24th between 2nd and 3rd. And I oh, wow. literally, literally never was below 14th Street. Like I just never went. I just never went downtown. It was never a thing. Weirdly enough, on September 10th, I had mm. jury duty. And so oh. I had to go downtown to the in place. And on my lunch break, I walked over to the Twin Towers and I was like looking wow. up at them. And I literally, I'm not joking, Jen, I was never down there. And then wow. I had a, I had like a fun dinner planned with one of my friends in Brooklyn that night. And the trains happened to be running on like the, the bridge versus underground. And I, and I, uh, remember coming home back to my apartment in Manhattan that night mm -hmm. sitting by the window and looking out at the Twin Towers and just I'll, wow. that visual is burned in my memory forever that wow. those towers on September 10th like I will never mm -hmm. forget it and nor yeah. will I forget the visual of looking up at on my lunch hour even though I didn't have any idea at those Remember? moments that that would be so significant very interesting right. that stuff um, yes there's so many stories like that that I've heard over the yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, same thing. You mentioned like God, what could have been different? So on September <laughs> 11th, I had to. I had jury duty. I was selected for a case, and the only reason I wasn't there was because the case I got assigned to started at 11. Oh my God! Unfucking believable, right? So I was in my apartment seeing it on television and being like, oh, wow. holy, like, just like, you know, the, the thing I was in my apartment and I saw it on TV with my roommate and we were had the whole thing. And then, of course, I did. I went outside. I'll you never right. will forget that smell and just like the energy of the city. It's an interesting right. unifying feeling in a trauma experience, too. You know, like I, I felt that where I'm like, whoa, we're in this together, even though New York can feel so isolating amidst millions of people. It right. didn't it didn't then. No, no. In the weeks and months after it felt very unified, actually. And I just remember all the posters of people, you know, like looking for their family members. It, it was just so it was just so sad and yeah, just sad. And I just remember like walking around, you just wanted to like hug people. You just want to like look them in the eyes. You, um, I wish we could have that in the way without, <laughs> you know, without the terrible thing happening. Exactly, exactly. Well, I think that's what, if I think about that, it invites us into those more human qualities of ourselves. It invites us to reflect on our, automatic ways of being it invites mm -hmm. us into change and so back to your story 
you say it was a stake in the ground. So what changed? So start, tell Mm -hmm. us more than what did you do after this life-changing event? Yeah. So I went, um, I remember going back up to my parents for a few days. I just couldn't, but I also had to pay the bills. So my brother owned a nightclub at the time. Uh, So I was bartending and, you know, like three days later, I'm like, are people really going to go to the club? And sure enough, they sure did. They were there. I was bartending to, you know, and and so I came back to the city, obviously, in a couple of days. And I was out of a job, obviously, during the day. So all I wanted to do was go to the dojo. Yeah. So I would go get on those mats. It just, I like, I I could feel my feet sinking into the, to this, these rubbery mats. I don't know if anyone knows what they're like, but it's like wrestling mats. If yeah. you had those in high school. And you like sink in them and they're dense. And it was just a very grounding experience. Again, I didn't have the words. I can only know this looking back, right? Right. At the time, I didn't realize that I was going there to heal this serious PTSD that I was facing. Because at home, I remember, uh, you know, the sound of garbage trucks or a a low-flying plane or fireworks on July 4th. Oh my God, I was right. like jumping out of my skin. But when I was there, I just felt strong in my body, in my body, my mind and spirit. And uh, I can't, you know, the timeline is a little fuzzy, but eventually I finally said like, well, what can I do to earn a living right. that also keeps me close to the mat and gives other people these benefits? So I became a personal trainer and again, that happened also serendipitously. Someone introduced me to a guy that worked at this boutique gym in the West Village. And the rest is history. I yeah. mean, it's just from from there to then starting my own practice. Um, you know, the the first the first real client I had actually, um, private client in the gym, she lived directly across from the World Trade Center. Oh, wow. So she was out of her apartment. So she was down at one of these fancy hotels, living in a fancy hotel. So she eventually asked me to to train her there. And then all of a sudden, I'm surrounded by all these very wealthy people right. that wanted me as their trainer. And then my practice just grew organically. Yeah. Um, yet every day, I was also at the dojo. So I was learning, training, teaching classes, Um and it was just a huge part of my life. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. I, it's funny. In my research prepping for this episode, I saw an interview that you did with Sean T, who I oh, yeah. absolutely love. I am just so yes, in love with you. him. He has helped me so much over the years. I just want to give him a little shout out because he's connect- yeah. like a connection. Um, literally, hey. I did hit the insanity workouts when I had like CD entry, like, uh-huh. you know, the DVD slot in my computer. Yep. And I did them early mornings in Finland of all places <laughs> where I was like traveling for skydiving coaching. And I'm like, I always eat like crap and I never work out when I'm traveling. And <laughs> Anyway, I just love him dearly. And I, I've, you know, of course, he's a wonderful human and just shares himself so bravely and vulnerably. Yeah. He really is. Yeah. It's all authentic. Yeah. I wound up on a reality TV show with Sean. He was the host. So that's my connection to him. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. He's been here to my house. Like, I, he's just, he's a really wonderful human being. Yeah. Inside totally. and out. Inside and out. <laughs> yeah. 
and you can know that when you listen to somebody on a podcast where they're really share again sharing their own actual yeah. stories and stuff like that. You know, one right. of the things that's so cool about you is that I and I'm I think this is true about anybody who ends up in a public facing leadership role is that you are just a person who had life experiences and then stepped in and stepped into things along the path, trusting Uh that intuition like we talked about, but then really looking for how can I translate this into service and and being willing to be seen. You know, how many stages have you been on? Hundreds. You know what Uh I mean? And so like, how did you get to the point and about creating your content and your keynote and because I do want to talk a little bit more about those pragmatic bullet points that you share with the b- the white belt and the and the belts that you talk about, if you don't mind, because I yeah. feel like people will get so much value from hearing that. But also in your process to become that person who was right. who was a willing to do it and then confident at, like building and growing into your confidence to to do it as well. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, I'd have to I'd have to scroll back um, Do it. to when the seeds were planted, really, because for me, I always say I'm, I'm like a late bloomer. Things just took me longer than I feel like it does for younger people today. I don't know. Um, again, I look back to I'm growing my, this this business of mine from personal training to health coaching, back to school for nutrition and there is no internet. I mean, sorry, there's no social media back then, right? Yep, yep. As you know. So you can't just share everything that you're doing in every minute. You can't share about your business. You can't invite people into your coaching practice like, <laughs> online. It right. was literally word of mouth. People seeing you in person yeah. doing your job and saying like, oh, I want some of that. So anyway, during the that there's about 10 years from 9-11 to leaving for Los Angeles, uh, I just dove deep into personal development. Yep. So I, again, I'm sure your audience, I can speak about all this stuff with. Oh, yes. But I did the, the Landmark Forum. I was supposed to be in the World Trade Center on September 14th, 2001, doing it. Oh, that wow. Weekend. Wow. I've done I've done the full Landmark curriculum as well. So I'm a, I'm a yeah. fan uh, you mm-hmm. know, people can take it or leave it and how they yeah. try to enroll people in being a part of it. But it it's yeah. I position it as it is a powerful skill set for communication and self-awareness and it's useful. So I, I, I liked it. I loved it. I'm very yeah. grateful Same. if people want to do it. Cool. If they don't want to do it. Cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that's and then so I started that and then uh, Tony Robbins, because, again, planted the seed from when I was a kid listening yep. to him. So I went to his Unleash the Power Within and kind of like, I remember being almost like mesmerized to like stand up and go side up for like the full program. (laughs) It's like, nice job, Tony. It's working. Totally. (laughs) I'm 25 years old. I don't have a dime to my name, but there's $10,000 on my credit card to sign up for this, you know, huge three session thing. Anyway. I did it and I don't regret a penny of it. Um, I always figured it out, how to pay for it. So anyway, I just remember being in one of his seminars and looking up and thinking, if I could do a sliver of that, if I could have a sliver of that impact 
on folks, you know, that would be a very worthwhile career. And I and I was hooked. So again, from that moment to actually getting on my first stage was probably 10 years. Wow. Cool. <laughs> but I love that. Again, thank you for sharing the seed planting idea and and normalizing that it takes time for those seeds to be nurtured, to grow. Mm-hmm. We might not be ready for an idea when it is first introduced to us, but to have some sense that we can trust that, okay, I might not be able to receive that now, but I... Mm-hmm. But I um, it, know it's somewhere in me percolating if it's meant to. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, I I one of my faults is comparison. So I compare myself to other people and like, why am I not further along than I am? And so a woman comes, a younger younger woman comes to me a couple of weeks ago and is like, so I just landed this gig on stage. I didn't even I didn't even try and. <laughs> And can you help me, you know? And then once she do- she's done, she's like, oh, my God, I'm hooked. I want to do this. And I was like, wow. <laughs> You're like, God damn it. Why didn't they yeah. call me? <laughs> like, I'm, I feel like I've hustled for every gig that I've had. Um, so anyway, but that's just, again, out there for you folks to laugh. <laughs> laugh at the whole we compare ourselves to everyone. Totally. Um, anyway. So that's how long it took. And that, so I knew I wanted to to do public speaking and I figured, well, what's what's the next logical step? How, how do I take that first easy move? So I, self-defense was something that I was teaching around town here. At this point, I'm in Los Angeles. Um, so I figured, well, college women yep. is a great audience. So I started pitching my, talks to colleges around but I soon realized that there's a whole college speaking circuit okay where you know sororities they have money to spend and they bring in speakers so instead of positioning myself as a you know self-defense instructor and showing up in sneakers and a tank top yep I positioned myself as a speaker on sexual assault prevention or awareness um, and safety expert nice and put on a blazer and a pair of heels and I made a PowerPoint, and all of a sudden, I was able to reach more people. Yeah, uh, and charge a lot more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for, you know what it actually is valued at. It's not just a hundred dollar thing or a few hundred dollars. It's you know could yeah. potentially save people's lives. So I had to step into it. I had to align with that energy. Yep. Um, as well as on the outside, make it show that way as well. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, totally. For sure. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting part of, you know, the healing journey and the growth process is that that awareness of the part of the process that is, dang, my external results are not what I am working toward. They okay. what I'm doing isn't delivering what I think it should. So clearly I'm missing something. There must be something in my blind spot or there must be something that I am aware of that I have to be really honest with myself, uncomfortably honest with myself. Okay, you know what? I've been charging a hundred bucks or whatever because that's where I was at energetically. That's what I thought I maybe deserved or whatever. Or I just mm-hmm. had never experienced getting paid X thousands of dollars for for a, a, an appearance, right? And Completely. so, 
it makes sense that there would be some kind of bridge that needs to happen between that experience and something else, unless you're right. someone who's has a weird 23-year-old experience and gets a speaking gig out of nowhere, doesn't even try. But that's not typical. You know what I mean? Right. That's not right. typical. The hustle and the I have to kind of work and learn how to align my energy is more you and more what I see. Right. Yeah. You have to level up to to even request that kind of dollars or the stage time or the, you know, the resources that it takes to to bring you somewhere. Totally. And owning the energy, ha- embodying mm-hmm. that energy is right. a, a clear part of how people who have the authority to deploy the resources will trust you. Mm-hmm. And so like that's it's a really important part of it because you can have the yeah. best PowerPoint in the world. You can wear the right. heels and the blazer. But if you're not actually embodying the energy, it's right. it's not likely to happen. OK, so this is just like spilling out of my brain. Do it. You, well, you had asked, like, how did that? So how did that happen? Or how did the confidence part of doing yeah. that? And my my third eye just keeps showing me stepping onto the mat. So when you step onto the mat in martial arts, the first thing you do, first of all, is bow, mm. um, which is just symbolic for like, okay, I'm entering a safe, uh, not a safe, a sacred place, right? Where we do the work is sacred. There's no... And again, in a martial arts studio, it's very different than a MMA school or a gym or wherever. Like, there's just more mindfulness, mm-hmm. discernment, and intention behind it. So you're not on the mat. First of all, no shoes. You know, you're in a uniform. It would be very weird for you to be, at least in the school I was trained in, you wouldn't go in on the mat in street clothes. Right. Right? You would only have to be in a uniform. You're barefoot. You're not drinking water. That's the thing that you'd have to like leave the mat and you leave the mat and bow again. Mm. So anytime you enter or leave the mat, you have to bow, mm-hmm. go get your water, go to the bathroom, you know, and then come back and bow again. So it's a, it's very formal. Um, and so, and then once you get on there, anytime you start, whether you're going to start a class or uh, a kata or something, you get into a ready position and that's, you know, I know most people can't see it, but it's like legs are spread wider than hip width apart. You're very, you know, your posture is perfect. Chest out, your hands are in front of you in fists. Like it's just so powerful. And the mindset that you, that I had, that's like drilled into my head. It's like the minute I step on that mat, I'm powerful in my yeah. mind, my body, my spirit. So I feel like every time I step on stage, I'm trying to embody yeah. that person energy again i love that it's sort of like how i feel climbing out of an aircraft in flight like what is my presence in the door what is my energy in the door of an aircraft that i'm about to exit from right how do i own that space and deliberately make that choice and of course in the process can control my physiology with intention with mindfulness with breath Love it. I love it. There's so oh, many I'm parallels sure. in our story, Jen. I just love I'm it so much. <laughs> sure there is. Yeah, you have to be it's, so mindful up there. Every little movement and breath and everything, I'm sure. Well, so so let's go to the belts because I do oh, want people to hear that from you, that that 
that content that you take people through, because I do think sometimes easily consumable insights can, you never know what what a person listening, they might, and I'm going to just tell them the first one that embrace the suck, you know, (laughs) yeah, I want to start with that, the white belt embrace the suck. But like, you don't know which one's going to land for people and, and help them and what seeds will be planted, as we just said, for other yeah. stuff that they might need in the future. So, yeah, right. go, go for it and give us a, a little bit of a sense for at least the first belt and we'll go from there. Yeah. So everything I use the, the metaphor in the beginning of the chapter, the metaphor of being on the mat in martial arts and at white belt level, you know, there's a lot of suck to embrace because, again, you're putting on these uniforms, you're bowing to everyone, everyone that's a higher rank than you. So that's basically everyone. <laughs> um, there's just all these uh, uncomfortable, weird things. Then you're stepping onto the mat and all of a sudden you're paired with people and they're going to be punching at you, kicking at you, putting you in arm locks, you know, like, <laughs> right. It's very uncomfortable. And you don't know how to really do it yet. Exactly. Exactly. You have no clue. Um, You're just kind of learning by being there. So I feel like that's life in so many different situations, whether it be starting a new job, whether it be getting into a relationship, dating for the first time, like all of it, it, it's it's new. Yeah. The first time you do it, right? Totally. And it's going to be hard and that's okay. So the whole point of embrace the suck is to embrace it, knowing that no one gets out of this life without going through challenges. They may be hidden from your from public view, but everybody has been challenged to their core. Yeah. And if they haven't yet, then I hate to say it, but they will. It's yeah. just life cycles. We lose our parents. And and this is the thing. If you're blessed enough to law lo- to live a long, healthy life and the cycles of work where your parents die in front of you, like all of that happens, these are gonna be things that completely suck, but everyone is gonna go through them. Yep. Um, And then obviously there are people that have had major, major stuff like born into sock. Yeah. So so it's just a way to get everyone present to A, like you may have it bad, but there's always people that probably have it worse than you. So that's, I know, again, it goes back to comparing yourself to other people's lives, but I still do think that's an important piece of just remembering that. And also... There are different exercises in the chapter on really how to go deeper into embracing it. Remembering all the, the I call it your shits list, like yep. remembering all the things. And you don't have to be great. I'm not so where you have to be grateful for those things happening to you. I don't believe in that necessarily, but I believe in thanking and acknowledging yourself for getting through them and just saying like, hey, good job. You know, you're here, you're still standing, you're alive, you're... <laughs> You did it. Yeah. And and let's move on and not keep that in our present. Like, let's keep it in the past. Totally. I, I, I hear that. And I, I hear it as a mental, emotional skill that will help make the sucky times that are a guarantee easier uh-huh. to get through. It will be more efficient moving through them, most likely, because when you are not spending energy in resistance to what is, in resistance to what's true in resistance to the reality that you are facing, it it allows us to have more energy to do something else, to do something that might move us forward. Just It's just less heavy. 
when we are like, yeah. oh, this is part of it. I'm not a loser because this is happening to me. <laughs> I'm not failing at life because this is happening. This is part of it. You know, I love that. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's okay. And it's a season. Right? It's a season. It's likely a season of suck. It's yep. not going to last forever. A season of suck. I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm in a season of suck, my friends. But it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's all part of it. Yeah. So yellow belt uh, next, right? Yeah. Okay. So yellow belt for how to bounce back. Okay. Right again on the mat metaphor is either we try to avoid a takedown altogether by pivoting, or when we do get knocked down, we have options. We we train in mat work. It's called and mat work is just drilling over and over again, falling down and getting up in different ways. Wow. Cool. So front falling, back falling, side falling, all those things. And you do it hundreds and thousands of times. So it becomes easier. You get back up with more velocity and ease each time. Got it. And again, like life, right? So we, there are the three options in the chapter is if you are in the suck right now, can you pivot? Maybe not. Can you roll with the punches? And then there are obviously ways how to do that. My sure. biggest one I just want to point out is finding finding support, right? Reaching out sharing what you're going through with people yep. so you can find the, the right answers and solutions and people in your life. Yep. And then the last is sometimes all of that isn't possible. And the only thing that we can do is recreate ourselves and make an ultimate comeback, right? When, when we're completely knocked out. That's yeah. like you lose your job, you lose a relationship, someone dies, you cannot, there's no option to pivot or roll. Yeah. You just have to recreate. Those irrevocable mushroom cloud moments in life yeah totally I, I love the call out to the support system and again that's a large part of what we're doing with the trust the journey family like how do we create community how do we again there's this all this talk about integration of our healing insights and all the mm -hmm. things that we get from the deep healing work that we do well what is mm -hmm. that okay what's an insight if i'm not integrating it if i'm not being held accountable if i'm not again what do I do as a life coach? I'm a part of you do as a coach, right? You're a, mm -hmm. a, you're a part of people's support team. You know, I keep I, I keep positioning it personally now as a per, being on the someone's personal board of directors because the way that I, I work that. is more personal. Like, yeah, I talk to people mm -hmm. about business, of course. I have all those skills, mm -hmm. but it's the vast majority of of things that I do is it's in the realm of personal. Because we're going right. deep, we're talking about healing, yada, 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 and like inviting people into that because they have spent the vast majority of their life doing the business, and the, you know, type A achievement mm -hmm. thing, which is great too, right? There's nothing wrong right. with it. It's more just like, okay, if you want to do more, we got we got to go you know, like down here and see what we yeah. find with a flashlight. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm in my late 40s. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm 45. I'm coming with, okay, I'm getting there. I'm I'm turning 47 in two weeks, no, but uh, I just can't believe. But at the same time, I keep running into people in this age range-ish, yeah, little younger, little older, uh, that are in that space right now. It's like they've achieved, 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 and they're like, now what? Yeah, and either they, you know, were laid off and can't find another job, or just needing to make a change, or like giving it all up to start something new. It's it's an interesting time. Yeah. Are you are you still fulfilled by your work? Do you like do you love your work? Like what 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 do you get from it? Oh, 
Yes, yes, and yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, cool, amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I feel super fulfilled. Um, I'm just at a point where I'm like, okay, more, please. You know, yeah, uh, I love doing in-person speaking gigs. If it, I feel like when I'm on stage or in front of a group, I'm just pouring, pouring into folks, and which is funny because at the end, at the I might feel tight, a little tired the next that evening or that night, but it's not draining, drained or exhausted. Yeah, it's a satisfied, fulfilled, ha, huh, like a sigh almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's why I know I'm doing what I love still. That's how I feel after these interviews. That's oh, why I'm like, I'm like, oh, just like my yeah. soul is being fueled by just being mm-hmm. with you. You know what I mean? It's very real yeah. for me. Um, yeah. Amazing. Thank you. I know. Um, I do want to keep going with the belts yeah. just because I want to yeah, make yeah. sure we cover them all, even if briefly, even if just briefly. It's, you certainly don't need to give your whole book. I cer- right. right. Peeps listening, of course, get Jen's book. It's amazing. It's on Audible, too. <laughs> Go for it. Um, yeah. So the next one, I or Orange belt. Look exactly. Yeah. Yes. You're, you're good. <laughs> I was like, does she have notes in front of her? I don't. I did. I did my research, but I'm like, uh, I don't have notes because I like to be really present in the moment. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Orange belt is about setting boundaries. So again, on the mat, you're now really drilling your your blocking skills because if you don't, you're going to get punched in the face too many times. And that hurts. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, like I just thought this chapter was really important, especially for younger women but not even just younger women i have women i have i have client right now in her 50s who just did not does not have a good practice of setting boundaries in her life with people places and things right people places and things that are draining you of your power or distracting you from your purpose those are the things we need to block um in the chapter it might see come across a little harsh because i give like there's hard blocks and soft blocks and the hard blocks is like really sometimes telling people like mm-hmm. to back off or get out of here. Don't do that again. Or no. Right. right? Just saying no right. in a powerful way. Uh, yeah. So I love so that. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. One of my deep experiences, I talk, we talk a lot about psychedelic medicine and healing and what? with plant medicines on this show. And one of my primary, one of my early experiences with ayahuasca was like basically purging every time I was silent. Every time I didn't stand up for myself, didn't speak up for myself. The little girl that didn't know how, didn't know she could. And then what followed that purge was my voice. I said no with like no, with authority, with power for like, I don't know. 10 minutes just like over and over and over again accessing that experience so that it it was then available to me now in my normal sort of waking I'm healing I'm integrating life so I think that's a really important one because it can be really hard for women for any person who kind of identifies as maybe a people pleaser or fear of conflict or whatever to to really feel like it's okay to step into that power and to have yeah. no be a complete sentence. Yeah. It, again, the work that I've been in for the two decades now, I've had way too many women 
share either through social media to like direct messages, comments, and coming up to me personally and telling me their stories of abuse, yeah, manipulation, physical abuse, mental abuse, you know, emotional, spiritual, all kinds of abuse. Uh, I, I just, I, it, it, I don't want it to happen on my watch anymore. So yeah. that's why, like, I make women say no in my seminars. I make them scream. I make them shout. Like, let's let's really tap into this very powerful weapon that we have, which is our voice. Yes. God, I love yeah. that. My skin is tingling thinking of that. It's beautiful. Why? Yeah. Do you, why are you so inspired? I mean, I genuinely don't know. Why well, are you so inspired to focus on women specifically? Mm-hmm. Well, what's coming up for me, and again, I don't, I don't share this ever, but um, I just remember being in college and getting a phone call from someone I love, probably more than anything in the world. Oh, sorry. And she told me she just like vomited on me, uh, telling me a story of how she was sexually abused as a child. Wow. And it, I don't know if this is why I do what I do. <laughs> yeah. But it, when you pair that and then my dad doing martial arts and then, yeah, I don't know, you know, like it all, I feel that these, again, were just seeds that were planted that I just want to stick up. I don't want that to happen to anyone I yeah. love or care about or even know or anyone out there listening. Like I, it, it makes me so angry. Yeah. It makes me heated. It makes me like, no effing way is it? are you go is someone out there gonna take advantage of a little girl right or boy or anyone is it? it or young person young you know adult or old person anyone and it just yeah. drives me crazy yeah i get very fired up so i love it well that's and, and again to your point we don't necessarily need to know why i love that you followed and honored that okay this is coming up because like how many people have a story like that, that they haven't shared in a safe space, that they don't have a safe space or they haven't felt like they could share it with anyone, even if they do have a safe space available to them. So kudos, yeah. amazing to your friend for trusting you, for uh, kudos to you for being a person that she felt safe enough to to share that okay. with then. And, mm-hmm. and also it makes sense that a story as powerful as that it, and at a, as young of an age as you were then, that it would well, make yeah. an impact, you know, and yeah. and of certainly anger you in yeah. in, a, in the face of injustice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Um, so there's yeah, why I continue to do the self defense or or keep using the the dojo metaphors is because I do feel such a it's so empowering uh, the wisdom that I've learned on that mat more so than the master's degree in nutrition all this yeah. stuff like n- no no sh- shade to, to <laughs> right no shade but, yeah no shade <laughs> but it's like is is the creme cycle really helping me out in my career right now no right is getting onto that mat and shouting and sticking up for myself and becoming a teacher and a leader yes right let me share more of that i love it all right, I'm gonna guess the next color. I think oh. I think it's blue. Or is, or green. is there green? I was like, I'm like, I, is there a green, green belt? I don't. I couldn't remember. 
green belt. It's all good. And it and essentially it's the key up. It's the voice. Oh it's yeah. Exactly what we're talking about. There so you it go. blends right from there you go. setting boundaries and now using your voice in a powerful way. Oh God, I love that. Okay, perfect. We've already talked about green belt. Copy that. Exactly. So then then the next one is blue belt. Correct. Okay. Which is about learning about chi and your life force energy. Vision. And essentially it's about self-care. Mm. So when you're on a mission in life and you're, you know, running around and God knows our to-do lists are bonkers long these days. And, you know, if you don't take care of yourself first, if you don't fill your cup first with self-care and all the things, hydration, nutrition, yep. movement, sleep, you're, you know, we're all just heading for burnout. Yeah. And then what's the point of it all? <laughs> yeah, abs- absolutely. That's a good spiritual question is like <laughs> what is it all for you know i mean it is yeah. a, it is an interesting question i know we mm-hmm. don't need to dive into that question at the moment because yeah. i know we're we want to eventually yeah. close this interview <laughs> <laughs> which you know we could continue for a long time um sure. but yeah it's i think it's it is an interesting question and i think what's cool about bluebell is again an acknowledgement that life force life energy is a thing worthy of our attention, right? Because it's like you said, self-care. But that implies that we are not prioritizing our life force, our energy, our our chi, whatever that means yeah. to people. And so I love, well, here yeah. States, we, don't, we don't even acknowledge it exists. Yeah. There's no word for it. That's exactly so- right. I'm starting to learn about chi. I'm like, really? You know, like for the first time as an adult, this is when I'm learning about this? Exactly. Exactly. Don't get me started on the American education system. <laughs> and, or healthcare for that matter. Or healthcare or, or yeah. lots of other stuff. <laughs> what we, yeah. So put a pin in that, but Bulldog. I think peeps listening, sure, write me a message if you want. I'll happily share my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for sure, energy. And and I think another thing just before we move on to the, the last mm-hmm. belt is mm-hmm. that energy life force is is something I think, and I would be curious your reflection on this based on what I'm about right. to say. Yes, it is individual. It is something we think about in self-care. I also really think it's a huge part of community and selecting who gets access to us. What is our life force? I know that's sort of probably connected to Orange Bell and boundaries and stuff. But like, I imagine there's a a blending of these belts in. You see it once you know and have access to all the knowledge and insight from them. But like that's a big deal. Yeah. Like who gets and, access to us? Who am I choosing to spend my time with and and be influenced by? Absolutely. Absolutely great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last belt. Yeah. Phil Phil. Two us in. more. Oh, two more. What's the other right, one? Yeah. Well, so red belt quickly. Oh, red is belt. About- See, oh, you know, that I love that. See, I definitely don't have notes. I completely forgot red belt. That's okay. <laughs> I don't expect you to memorize it. Um <laughs> It's all about going within. So mm. at that point in my martial arts journey anyway, we started to learn these slower forms, you know, okay. again, like using your chi and uh, beautiful. Uh, we start to do more meditation, so deepen our meditation practice. And again, uh, the the life part of that is 
if we don't slow down, <laughs> again, we're just going to like spin off into space <laughs> and burn out. So, so true. this is about deepening, being mindful. Again, exactly what you were saying, being mindful about how you spend your time, yeah. how you spend your energy with, um, listening more, listening to yourself, listening to that inner voice to eventually will speed you up. It will become, you will become more efficient. You will become more efficient because you'll make less mistakes when yeah. you're more mindful. You'll see a punch coming before it has a chance to land yep. metaphorically. Um, so yeah, that's Red Belt. Yeah, I love and that. And then we have Black Belt. Yeah. Well, quickly, <laughs> I mean, if you have another couple minutes, I would love to just... Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, the the Red Belt of going within, I, I think one of the most powerful skills we can build is at this level, personally, I think, and you, it shows up so obviously in your story when you had that intuitive hit and you trusted mm. it and you leaned into right. it. I'm sure there's countless other stories in your existence that point to this, but right. that I, I love positioning things as skills because I feel like it makes it accessible. I'm not right. just someone who's good and intuitively connected. Maybe, fine. I don't understand how humans are and spiritual and soul and all this stuff is put together. I, I have great humility around my human understanding of what life actually is. So right. that being said, I do think it's a skill that we can cultivate. Like I can decide to be intentional about I want to build a better relationship and right. try to improve my ability to discern what is my intuition versus what is fear. And, right. and that is just something that we can bring to the safe space. We can bring to the coach that we hire. We can bring uh -huh. to our, our community that's supporting us and, and really mm -hmm. make that a thing. So anyway, yeah. I digress. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's really one of my, it's probably my favorite belt. Mm. And I felt like, I feel like I could have went much deeper into it but that'll be the next book um, yeah because it's become such a bigger part of my life the older i get yeah the more dedicated i am to my meditation practice the deeper i go the deeper i want to go the longer i want to sit etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah all right black belt okay so at black belt level right and on the mat as you're coming up you first of all in my school so this is not every school out there but we weren't even allowed to uh, be an applicant for a black belt test because you have to test. You don't just get it. Right. Um, until we were had at least 100 hours of teaching. Wow. Right? Not paid. So yep. volunteerism. And so so again, you think it's about the moves that you have to learn, the right. katas that you have to memorize. But at the end of the day, what I finally understood was it's actually about leadership. It's about becoming this leader in the microcosm of the dojo. Dang. And then how, you know, I started to see how that leader, those leadership principles leaked out into other areas of my life. And still to this day, even though that dojo is far from me, um, physically anyway. Yeah. It's implanted all these seeds. So, you know, being a leader that helps other people rise up through the ranks as well. That's that's it in a nutshell. Yep. How can you do that in your life? How can you help other people rise? How can you give a shit about other people yeah. at work, at home, and not just the ones over under your roof? And this yeah. is one thing that I've seen. And again, I'm I'm not a parent, so I'm, I'm 
saying this carefully, but I see so many people care about their daughters or hey. their, you know, but what about others? What about girls that don't have that, the, 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 oh, what's the word? The luck, the luck of yeah. being born into, you yeah. know, a family that cares about you. Right. There's just so many other things that we can care about as well, right? Of course, you want to care about your family first, but let's expand that circle as, as, as we grow as yeah. possible. Yeah, totally. It's like, how are we going to, how are we being in service? How are we connecting to what's beyond ourselves? Because like, yeah. it, not just to be like, I want to hold your feet to the fire, peeps listening. You got to do more than X, Y, Z, right? Like, that's not what you're yeah. saying. You're saying, like, there's also deep fulfillment oh, and yes. joy and 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 gratitude and happiness when we get out of yeah. our self-centered, and I say that not with judgment, like our self-focus. Yeah. That can be plenty self-focused, right? We all have stresses. We all have fear yeah. we all have you know t whatever yeah but it, there is something to that that's that helps us access i the last interview that i did i did it with a a guy named carlos tanner really great insightful dude and he was talking about the research they're doing around healing and this and that anyway i don't need to go into it but what i'm why yeah. i'm pointing to it is he said we measure we measure in these studies the impact in, of healing up to I no longer feel depressed or I feel less anxious. I'm at a zero relative to anxiety or PTSD or whatever. But there's no, mm -hmm. there are no studies currently, not really limited studies that, mm -hmm. that measure. But what is it to get to 50, yeah. 60, 70, whatever, enjoy yeah. and fulfillment and happiness, right? That's not something mm -hmm. people care about because it's mostly centered around right. how do I get to a just baseline functional place? So anyway, wow. I think Black Belt is a part of that. Wow. Absolutely it is because, yeah, it's about purpose, finding purpose. And many people find purpose in helping other people, sure, but also other things. If your yeah. thing is the planet, then go and help the planet yeah you know there are so many other causes and just basically anything bigger than yourself yeah. right and it is about we are so tunnel focused um so often but the minute that you step outside and i do it too right so i have to, and these are this is not like oh i'm a black belt i, I don't do this anymore <laughs> right it's a reminder that for my biggest example is when i get stressed about finances the first thing that i will try and do is go, oh, I love this charity that helps cats in LA. Yes. Like I adopted my cats from there. So cats. I'll go and just like donate $25. And all of a sudden I'm like, ah, oh, I have the ability to help people. Wow. Yeah. That or animals, you know, anything. Yeah. Give $20. Give your time. Give a compliment. It could be free. Anything to, and it will yeah. fill your spirit, fill your cup up so much that you'll just be overflowing with utter badassery. <laughs> oh, so true. And I'm just going to say, I love that you're a cat lover. <laughs> as, everyone, comment. as everyone knows, I'm a cat lover. Um, yep. <laughs> so perfect place to sort of go toward the, toward the close. But 
What are you working on now that you're psyched about? Because we want to hear, of course, we want to hear all the ways that people can connect with you and and how can they get your book and all all that all that stuff. Yeah. But first, tell us like, what are you working on now? Where are you going? What's next for you? What are you excited about? Just give us yeah. a window into that, and then tell us how people can connect with you. Yes, awesome. I mean, more of the same. I like I said, I love public speaking, so I'm just working on doing more of that. I'm working on getting the art of badassery into a digital course format cool. so people can go a little deeper. Um, people that can't necessarily afford to work with me one-on-one can still do it in a deeper format. Love it. I have the podcast that I just launched, the Art of Badassery podcast, which Melanie's going to be a guest yes. on in season two. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's another book. There's another book. I I feel like I just have to do one creative project at a time. Yeah. So I'm, I have two more creative projects I need to get to before the book starts. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, but it's cool that, I mean, we know when something is, when it's time has come, yeah. we know it. Like if you're a creative yeah. long enough, this is my experience being a creative, being a prolific creator, writer, podcaster, like yada, right. yada, yada, all that stuff. I feel like I'm with you where I'm like, I have a no joke, Jen. I have a book that uh, at some point I am going to publish a book of my haikus because I oh I love writing haikus. I've written them for for years and years. It's they're <laughs> hilarious. They're deep and meaningful. They're fucking awesome. And I oh, just wow. eventually that book is going to be in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't even it, I don't need anyone to buy it. But eventually I'm going to I know it's going to want to it's it's time will come eventually. It might be 10 years from yeah. now. It doesn't really matter. But it's like right. that sort of what I feel like yeah. you're describing is, you know, sometimes yeah. it's centered around our work and our impact. Other times it's some some creative mm-hmm. thing. Anyway, I well, love well. that you have a new show. I love that your voice is getting out there more. I love Thank- that you joined us in this space. Thank you for being so generous with the stories that you told and the sharing and the things that you gave us that you don't normally share with with other you know outlets or whatever it makes sure. a difference it makes a huge difference like i i see you you're amazing i'm so grateful we're connected and how can Most people feel. connect with you what are you what's your website because i want people to make sure they go there sure jennifercassetta.com two n's two s's two t's and the social media that I'm most active on is Instagram, and that would be, again, Jen Cassetta, two N's, two S's, two T's. I love that, too. Two N's, two S's, two T's. That's so useful. I love that. <laughs> Jen, amazing. Ugh. Thank you, Melon. Peeps, go follow Jen. Go check out her stuff. You will be inspired. I challenge you not to be when you go and check <laughs> out her stuff. And uh, onward from here, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you all. <laughs>